Hello, welcome to my Vipassana experience video. I mean, I think there's probably five or six hundred on YouTube of all the folks that have gone and, and want you to know what it's like, whether they liked it, disliked it, how easy, how hard, how meaningful. Um, and I'm, I'm doing this as part of another series, uh, uh, my basic travel log of the places I've been. But I thought I would start out with this one because it's a format that I've seen on, on YouTube. And uh, I, I just, quite frankly, I wanted to relate my experience. So those of you who know what Vipassana is, uh, it's a meditation technique, uh, a very powerful one. I'm not going to take a lot of time explaining what the technique is, because like I say, uh, when you get done with this video, you can just check out anything else in line, because there's probably three or 400 people going to tell you exactly what Vipassana is. But it's a type of meditation where you sit and you just simply observe what goes on. Uh, with the idea that not to attach yourself to any of the sensations or the things, the events, and just simply realize that, like most things in life, the sensations, the little pains, the thoughts, they come and they go. Not to attach to them, not to run from them, not to be deluded into thinking that it's the totality of your reality. Those are very powerful lessons to learn. And, and with that in mind, uh, I had read a book by the gentleman who promoted this in the West for the last 40, 50 years, S.N. Goenka. Uh, so this is his his uh, his master's uh, version of uh, Vipassana. There are s several other schools of Vipassana. They all have a common core. You can find them anywhere you go around the world. But so I just I determined to go. And I went first in the United States. I went down to a, a nice center down in Georgia. Uh, and if those of you who do know, you know you're supposed to commit to the whole 10 days and promise not to leave. And they make you promise this because they know what you don't know, that it's going to be difficult. This is not a vacation. Uh, it's not really an entertainment. As, as Mr. Goenka will say, this is not an intellectual entertainment. This is hard work. And it is hard work. Um, and not, uh, not everybody's suited for it. I think it's hard. And I turned out to be one of those persons. On day four, I had some, some physical issues uh, I needed to tend to. And uh, unfortunately, I needed the time that was not allotted to do that. Uh, it, would, it would have been a break in the, in the training for the day. So uh, I opted to leave. And so I left. Uh, and it's about nine hours from the center to where I live. Within that nine hours, I deeply regretted having left and determined that I was going to go to another retreat. And I had determined that it was going to be in India. Uh, for those of you who have traveled to India, uh, it's not excruciating, excruciatingly difficult to get there, especially before the pandemic. But it's a lot of money, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of effort, and it's a lot more difficult than driving down I-75 for a few hours. It's, it's, so I determined that I would make this as difficult on myself as I could to leave early. Plane schedules, finances, the whole thing that goes into getting there. I structured it in such a way that it would be easier for me to stay and sit and meditate than it would be to, to leave and find something else to do and get back to Delhi and get back home. So that's exactly what I did. And when I arrived there, uh, I did a little sightseeing. I went up to Rajgir, a place where the Buddha stayed a lot, a lot of times during the monsoons. There's a place up there called Vulture Peak where he gave a lot of his lessons. And there's a, a, a place, there's a bamboo forest down in the town uh, that one of the kings, the local kings, gave him to him and his monks to hang out during the monsoon. So I got to visit all those. 
I actually had an incident in, in Rajgir where I was in a Tonga, which is a two-wheel cart with a horse. Uh, the horse fell down, catapulted me out, and broke my shoulder. Uh, of course, the good news is that I didn't know for a year and a half that my shoulder had a problem. That's a whole other story. But that was fun. I traveled down to uh, Bodhgaya and visited the Mahabodhi Temple, uh, which is the, the place where Buddha uh, sat until his enlightenment. And they built a big temple there. There's a, a descendant tree of the original tree, as the way I understand it, that he sat under is there. And of course, like they do in India, they do it in grand style. There's a huge temple, grounds, the whole thing. But it's a very, it's different than most of India. Uh, if, if you've been to India, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. India is rarely ever quiet. It's hustling and bustling noises, people everywhere. Uh, but the Mahabodhi Temple, it has a lot of people, but it's very quiet. So it's very peaceful environment. So I, I love it very much. I've been there one time before. And I hope to, like I said, I hope to go back again. But the Dhamma Bodhi you see behind me is a couple of miles from that. So so I went, I checked in like you normally do on day zero, uh, got settled in there, and <clears throat> proceeded to take the retreat. Uh, and it was a very nice retreat. I had a roommate. There were a lot of uh, Indian folks there. Uh, there were some people from Thailand, people from all over the world, but mostly Indian folks. And I think I was... Uh, there was one other Westerner. I think he was from uh, Australia. Uh, and uh, uh, it went pretty well, you know. And, and uh, the the thing that was uh, kind of amusing to me is my countdown this time was not the 10 days. I knew exactly where in the program I had gotten to the first time and left. And I felt this just amazing sense of accomplishment to arrive on morning number five and still be there. It's like, okay, uh, I think I can do this now. And I did, and it was very rewarding. Like I say, the technique is is genuine. It does work. If you practice it, if you work at it, it does deliver the results. Now, I know you've probably seen some people on, on YouTube, if you've looked around, that they didn't have a good experience, and they warn you that it's a cult and that it does this and does that to you. And I'm not saying that it doesn't. Uh, perception is an interesting thing where people are coming from, where they're at, when they take these things. There are issues with folks, uh, that this technique is not going to correct. There are issues that people have that will probably preempt a successful outcome, but I think that's in the minority. Uh, like I said, I had my own set of issues and, uh, they were difficult, but you know, part of the process is to get you into a place where you can deal with it. Will you persevere? Will you go through it? And you'll get to the next level or the next space that allows you to take on the next challenge and get on with your daily life. So uh, I learned that uh, from running away from it and running back to it. And again, like I said, I'm going to go back for a third third go at it. Uh, if the planes are flying and the governments are allowing people in, I'll do that. But I would encourage people to do the Vipassana or something similar uh, because it's a very valuable training. Uh, in the world that we live in today, everything's just going by, literally at the speed of light. Uh, you turn on your screens, wherever they are, your, your phones, your computers, your televisions, and it's just a constant blur, constant input of stuff. And, you know, it's hard to say that we really choose what we look at anymore. It happens so fast. A lot of it just comes on in. We don't discern what we're looking at for the most part. It's coming rapid fire at you. 
Uh, you can put on your favorite channels on YouTube, or you can watch what you want on television, go to the movies, listen to who, whatever you do, read a book, whatever it is. It's constant input, constant input. And uh, the discernment level, I think, uh, among human beings is being damaged. Uh, it's overwhelming us. And you can see the result of that if you just look around. So to have a practice where you can sit and kind of let that fall away and let it go past, you learn a valuable lesson that, you know, it may not involve you. You may not have to involve yourself in it. It is what it is. You are who you are. And in the end, you can choose to simply let it be what it is and go on with your way. And that makes space for something else. Uh, there's a lot of equanimity comes with that. There's a lot of, uh, you can become more passive. And if anybody needs to be more peaceful, it's probably me. Uh, but I tell you, it's a very valuable thing. It's not easy. Like I said, Mr. Goenka says, it's not an intellectual in- entertainment. It's not a vacation. It's not often pleasant. But it is very valuable because of the lessons that you learn. If you have a sensation in your arm or your leg hurts where you're sitting meditating for a whole day, you learn that if you do nothing about it, more than likely, it's just going to pass. It will come. It will be here for a few moments and it will go. Your discernment in what to attach yourself to, what to involve yourself with, is a huge lesson. Because so often in these days, everything is vying for your attention. It's vying for your involvement, your agreement, your money. You know, you have to make these decisions. And like I said, it's coming so hard and so fast that a lot of us have just given up in the moment. Oh, this is the way it is. Just go with the flow. Uh, Well, going with the flow uh, might take you somewhere you don't want to go. So think about that. But back to the Vipassana. Um, The training itself is very rigorous. Even though if you were to look in the window, you just see about 60 people sitting on a cushion with their eyes closed, not really moving. And you think, oh, this can't be very hard. Well, I challenge you to sit in a meditation center for 10, 12 hours a day, not doing anything. Especially if you come from the West, not doing anything, not moving, not responding, not reacting is amazingly hard work. It can be excruciatingly hard not to react. So it, um, it is something you're not going to experience around here unless you're just a very unique person in this society. Uh, I know a lot of people go out in nature and they get that sense of peacefulness and whatever by being alone with nature. And I think there's something similar in that because you're narrowing down the impulses, the things that are happening to you, the things you need to react to. And I think that's the key. I'm not I'm not the guru or the master of this, but the lesson I took away was, you know, stop stuffing your head with things you have to deal with. Be discriminating about what you involve yourself in. Be discriminating about what it is you want to attach in your life or what you want to push away. Let it present itself. Choose not choose to interact with it. So that's what I took away from the Vipassana. Um, So like I said, I I encourage folks to look into that. And uh, like I said, I went to India for the reasons I've stated already, but there was some cultural things down there that really kind of helped me push through. 
one of the nice things that did happen there was um, a mile or so over, the Dalai Lama was having his annual uh, Dharma uh, Kala Chakra uh, event, and you could hear him speaking. You could hear the goings on. So you're trying to meditate, and you know that it's the Dalai Lama, but he's speaking in Hindi or whatever. You don't know what he's saying, but you know it's the Dalai Lama, and you're sitting on a cushion within two miles, uh, and the thoughts go by. Well, they're really loud. I wish I wasn't having to be distracted by that. And you realize, oh, it's the Dalai Lama. Oh, well, I'd rather be there. So that in and of itself was a big lesson. You know, be here now kind of thing. And next door to the Dhamma Bodhi is a school that we're having some kind of sporting events. I don't know. I don't think it was cricket. It might have been soccer. Uh, but they were very loud about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So every afternoon when you're sitting for your two-hour thing in the afternoon, there's this huge crowd of fans. It's just like any football stadium in America screaming. Rah, rah, rah. And you're thinking, how in the world can I not react to this? So... Uh, like I said, in India, the noise really never shuts off unless you happen to be in the Mahabodhi Temple. Uh, so those kind of things happen there, but it made it more eventful for me. And, of course, I got to do a little sightseeing as well. And uh, I saw some friends I have over there. But I would encourage everybody to consider this or something like it. Uh, it will it will make your, your stay on the planet um, probably a lot more uh, fruitful. So, you know, that's my Vipassana experience. Like I said, I didn't go through all the details of it. You can find it in this Art of Living book or on the Internet. There's a lot of information about this. So that's it for me, and I uh, hope you enjoy it.